Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute, in case you do not know. Uh, this is a monthly podcast I like to do, where sometimes I have a guest, sometimes I don't. Uh, I like to have a guest on every other month, and this is just a solo month that I'm going to be doing. But last month we had Pathogen David, one of my best friends, and next month I have no idea who the hell I'm going to have on, but I'm going to try and plan to have someone on. But this is episode 22, which is our October 2019 episode. So so happy Halloween. I know it's not quite Halloween when this is coming out, but Halloween is going to be tomorrow because it's going to be coming out on the 30th. At the moment, I am recording this on the 27th in the morning right now, and I might sound a little bit different because I'm a little bit under the weather, which I can talk about that as well too. It's really nothing too bad, um, and if possible, I would have recorded this when I was not sick, but you know, these things just happen. But this one's, th this sickness hasn't been all too bad, thankfully. Uh, I've been sleeping a lot, so that's really what's helped me kind of kick this sickness's ass, so to speak. But anyways, Mario's Minute, in case you do not know, this is a monthly podcast where I just talk about whatever the hell I want to with you all. I do have another podcast called Mod Chat, which right now is still on hiatus. I promise I will be bringing it back, but right now... Just kind of want to have a break from it and such. And uh, this is available, of course, on YouTube and on most major podcasting platforms. So if you want a video component and even want to comment about this, I do upload this every month on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. It typically comes out on the last Wednesday of every month. And as for the podcast itself in audio form... It is available on most major podcasting platforms, so just fire up your favorite service or app, look up Mario's Minute, and check it out there. So, that's about it. But this episode, we're going to be talking about a few different things. One of them, I wanted to talk about just getting right into this for the season, is going to be Halloween. So, Halloween... I really enjoy Halloween. I do. I love, I guess I love the feeling of it all. I love when everything kind of starts getting cool around here. I love the fall time, autumn time, I guess you can call that. Uh, and also dressing up is cool as well, although I don't do that anymore. Uh, I personally do not go out on Halloween. I don't have any kids of my own. I don't have any friends who have kids or any, you know, cousins nearby that I can go to take trick-or-treating. And I just realized this too. Since I moved out of my parents' house, I haven't given out candy either, but I still like to do some things here and there. So last year, even though this was not Halloween-based like at all, I just said, you know what, fuck it, we're going to make it Halloween. Uh, it was myself and two of my friends, and I invited them over, and we had a really cool Halo 2 LAN party. And we were playing the Halo 2 Alpha, Beta, and then at the end, uh, one of my friends and I, because one of them left, but the other one and I, we uh, started playing Halo 2 online on a Master Chief collection. So that was just a real fun time. I think 2017, I didn't do anything. 2016... I decided to I decided to dress up because at work we can actually dress up in a Halloween costume and such. Um, I'm sure you could do it at any time, really. I don't think anybody would care all that much, but it's most appropriate on Halloween, obviously. Uh, but I decided to dress up as Ed. It was a costume I've always wanted to do, never did. I said, fuck it, because I'm an adult now and I have the money to buy all this stuff, I'm going to do it, even if it's just for a day. So I think I even have a video up on here talking about that as well. And here, I mean the YouTube channel. And by Ed, I mean 
Ed from Ed Ed Nettie, the big, tall, dumb one. So I end up getting like the jacket, I got the shirt, uh, the I got shoes for it as well too, because I just needed like black slip-on shoes of some kind. Uh, ended up drawing a unibrow on myself, got like the stance down and everything. Uh, I also ended up bringing two pieces of bread with me that I toasted and carried around with me that day. So. Uh, no, that, that was a real fun costume, but we didn't do too much else outside of that. So that's kind of how my adult Halloweens have been for the past few years. Uh, but this year I am doing something else. I'm hoping at this point I will have dropped uh, some photos of this on social media. If not, and you're listening to the podcast, you're going to get a little early preview of it, I guess. Uh, but I decided to go as Mr. Robot, so... Uh, I was thinking of this because this month, my girlfriend and I, we've been watching some shows and we ended up catching up on Silicon Valley. I've been caught up on it. She's never seen it. So I end up re-watching the whole thing with her. And then we started doing kind of the exact opposite show, which would be Mr. Robot, uh, at least to me. So, so far, I guess I am waiting for Mr. Robot to finish up. So I don't know of any later spoilers obviously but if you haven't seen the show there is going to be some spoilers here i'm sure uh i've only seen the first two seasons i remember season three was out and for whatever reason i didn't watch it and now season four is airing and that's the last one and i'm like you know what i'm just going to put the pause on this until this finishes up because i just want to binge it uh but point being on there I had seen uh, the first two seasons, and then my girlfriend was interested in it, so we started watching it, and now she is caught up to me. But funny enough, I was thinking, like, just with all this, I was thinking maybe I want to go as one of the characters here, because this is the show, like, I feel like I'm really into right now again, and... It was the the dad himself, which I don't believe they ever say his first name on there, funny enough. Uh, but, you know, they all call him Mr. Robot. And I said, you know what? Christian Slater's Mr. Robot, that is a really easy costume to pull off. Let me see what I can do. So I end up going out and I got all the stuff that was needed. And it's it's a pretty simple costume, thankfully, because it's kind of just a old ragged dad. So I'm just not shaving for a few days. And then I had to get... I could have just gotten, you know, a basic hat, but I decided to get the Mr. Robot hat, like the official one that apparently was given out in Loot Crate one month. And the really disappointing thing is I wore this thing one time and then I went to adjust the size and the strap in the back ended up breaking off. It is currently on one thread right now. So I'm just going to have to use like a bobby pin or something, not a bobby pin, but like a safety pin to just put it back in for the time being so it doesn't. You know, it's going to completely break, but just so it can at least stay together. And I guess it adds to the authenticity of it being a, you know, rugged, worn hat. But at the same time, it's like, damn it, I bought this thing new. It, was, it wasn't cheap, but it wasn't super expensive. It was 25 bucks. It's officially licensed merch. I'm like, awesome. I wear this thing one time and it's technically broken. This is, this is really nice. <laughs> um, I did buy it third party, though. I bought it online. But I end up getting that. And then I ended up getting a jacket and patch as well, too. And I guess, you know, technically a shirt. Like, I just had to get, like, a plain... These were things I surprisingly did not have. Like, the jeans, the shoes, that's okay. But it's, like, just a plain dark gray shirt I did not have. So I had to go to a store, and I bought one for, like, four bucks. It was less than four bucks. It was really cheap. Uh, I did not have... I don't have any flannel shirts. So I went out, I bought a flannel shirt. That was, like... 17 bucks. Uh, I found some fake glasses. I got those as well. And then the most expensive item was the denim jacket that's worn. 
And I ended up actually ordering a couple. Uh, one of them I ordered, and it was a Mr. Robot-based one. The thing is, it doesn't look like it's going to get here on time, so I'm probably just going to have to end up returning that whenever it does come in. And in the meantime, I end up getting one I found that was better, um, that at least suits the character more, in my opinion. And it's not at all Mr. Robot branded, but it's still expensive uh, for what it is. And um, I ended up getting that... I also ordered a Mr. Robot patch and uh, one of those iron-on patches, and I ironed it on myself. So uh, I am all good on that, but I think at one point today uh, I'm going to put that all on, and girlfriend and I are going to go out. She's going to take some pictures of me in it, and we'll see what's going on with it. So it was funny because we were talking about this, and she was saying, you know, if you want to do a really easy costume, you could just go as Elliot. And I was thinking, like, I thought of that too, and I said, yeah. I could do that. Uh, thing is, though, I, I guess one, I, I was just kind of joking with this. I was like, I'm not like bone skinny, so I wouldn't play the best Elliot. But also at the same time, I kind of thought about it a bit seriously. And I'm like, you know, it, it'd be easy to do. I just need to wear like tight jeans, shoes, and then just stay it just get like a basic like i don't know eight or ten dollar zip up black hoodie from walmart or something like i had one years ago i had the perfect one when i was in like middle school or high school and of course i donated it or something uh but yeah i could just pick up another one of those and wear that and keep my hood up all the time and kind of slouch the thing is though i don't think anybody would recognize me as elliot alderson i would just look like i am you know, coming in really sad to work one day, and I'm just wearing a cheap black hoodie. <laughs> so at least with, if I go as Mr. Robot, it, it's more obvious. And there's a lot of people who are big nerds and who watch this show at work. So if there's people who, especially the people I'm thinking of right now, who I've talked to about the show, if they don't recognize this, I'm going to be really disappointed, especially since I'm going to have two patches on me that show Mr. Robot. I'm going to have one on the hat and I'm going to have one on the jacket. So that's what I'm particularly excited about. But I was thinking about something as well, too, with uh, with Halloween stuff. I didn't mention this because I mentioned what I've done for the past few years, uh, but 2015, I want to say, that was my last semester in college, and one of my favorite Halloween memories was, it was with uh, my previous, like, my friend who I had on the previous episode, Pathogen David. Um, that was the semester until Dawn came out, and I just picked it up because I said, you know what, it, it looks good, I'm going to pick this up day one, so I did. And right around the time that came out, at the beginning of the semester, like, some stuff happened. And I will tell you, that that final semester of college, it was supposed to be my easiest one. And it was class-wise, it was easy, but my personal life was just kind of a wreck. <laughs> and that was emotionally one of the harder semesters for me and I just remember like that week especially when Until Dawn came out uh that's when stuff started so I just for like a week or two just buried myself in Until Dawn and absolutely loved it and uh, I got that that was my first PS4 Platinum as well just because I was so obsessed with that game that I had to just max out everything on there now fast forward a few months because I think that came out in August which it really should have come out in October but that came out in August and a few months later, uh, I believe it was that weekend of Halloween, 
because Halloween was on a weekend that year. Uh, that weekend of Halloween when everything was happening, uh, we were over at David's house, and he wasn't giving out candy, so we were able to go undisturbed with this, thankfully. But it was myself, my friend David, and our mutual friend Jessica who were all hanging out. And we had planned this, and we had talked about Until Dawn, and I think... Uh, I was talking highly of it, and David was interested in it, but he didn't want to pay for it. And then Jessica was just like, wow, this sounds amazing. Like, can we all play this? And I said, yeah, actually, um, just we can pick a place to host, and then I'll bring the game, and we'll be all good. Uh, so David's house was the best place for hosting at the time, so we started going over there. And that entire weekend, it was, we didn't stay there the whole time, but it was every night until we finished the game. And I want to say, like, it took us two or three nights to do, uh, but each night we would just, you know, meet up in the evening and play it until, you know, we were about to fall asleep and then head home <laughs> uh, until we found a good stopping point or so. And I think for that, I had already... I had played through the hell out of that game. Like, I had maxed out everything. I did everything I, I thought I could, at least. And there's a slight spoiler here that I'm going to talk about. But I did everything I thought I could on there. So I had the Platinum, and I was just like, you know what? I've played the hell out of this game. So, David, since you want to play this, here you go. You have the controller, because Jessica doesn't know how the fuck to play this. <laughs> and uh, he, so he was controlling it. And... I held back the most I could over the course of these few days. Like, I did not, even though I felt like I knew the game in and out, I didn't give any hints. I didn't say, oh, you should do this or wait for this or brace for impact. I did not give any hints because I was like, no, I want this to be a completely organic experience and playthrough. And funny enough, my friends even complimented me at the end. They were like, when we finished the game, they're just like, wow, Danny, like, you didn't give like any indication of what was going to happen, what was going on, like, thank you. And I said, yeah, because I wanted you all to experience this firsthand the way I did. And it's unfair if I'm sitting here and saying, oh, wait for this. Oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. It's like, nope, nope. I'm not going to help you all out on here unless it, unless it gets to a point where we're absolutely stuck. But outside of that, I'm like, no, I'm not going to help you save this character or I'm not going to warn you or anything. Like, whatever happens, happens. And one thing that ended up happening was at one point you're going through the game and there is this wolf that is helping you out. And I did not know this. And technically this can happen uh, because this game you play with like six or seven different characters and you get different endings on it depending on who you save, who dies and such. So for example, a few characters can die, all of them can survive, all of them can die. Um, but this particular character, the wolf... There's no trophies that are based on this here. And what happened when David was going through, there was a bunch of quick time events and he missed several of them. And he missed just enough that at the very end of the sequence, the wolf ended up dying. And I remember when that happened, I yelled and David looked at me and he's like, yeah, you, you didn't know that didn't that happen to you? And I don't think I responded or anything. And it wasn't until we finally finished the game where I was like, no, you know, at that point where I yelled about the wolf dying, I freaked out about that because I didn't know you could even do that. And he was like, wait, what? Like, didn't the wolf die on yours? I'm like, no, every single time I played this game, which is like five or six times, uh, every single time I played through it, the wolf survived. I did not know that the wolf could die. So that was one thing as well. We kind of, we, we kept that joke going on for a while as well too, where it was like, I don't know, whenever something was going on, I would just be like, oh yeah, and David killed the wolf in Until Dawn. And we just kind of kept that meme going for a few years. <laughs> but 
that is that was one of my favorite experiences where it's like just that weekend we were all you know just hanging out we would eat dinner and have fun playing through until dawn and that was that that was like the perfect time for me that i needed and things things did get better thankfully it wasn't until about a month after that pretty much everything did a complete 180 within a week and that was really nice so well not a week no it was it was within 24 hours funny enough yeah I completely overestimated that. But either way, things did get better. But at that point where I was just not in the best spot, um, just hanging out with friends, playing until dawn, and seeing David unfortunately kill that dog thanks to his lack of hit and quick time vent successfully, uh, that was just what I needed. So that's probably one of my favorite Halloween moments. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that's what's, uh, that's what's the plan for Halloween. So I'm not sure what you all are going to be doing, but uh, hopefully everyone has a good time. And I'll say this, stay safe as well, too, if you're going to be doing anything. Stay safe. I could say check your candy, but it's like that's been... I don't know if anybody else had this, but my parents kind of did the thing where they would check my candy, which is, of course, you know, a, a noble safety effort. But I know that kind of stemmed from people saying they were going to put, you know, poison and candy and do all this other stuff. And that's been mostly disproven. I think one of my favorite things I've seen in recent memory has been people allegedly, well, I guess news articles, I should say, allegedly stating that there can be edibles inside of kids' candy. And people just instantly respond and are like, hey, look, nobody is going to be wasting money on weed just to give it out and put it in kids' candy, okay? <laughs> but still, I hope everyone stays safe. I hope everyone has a good time. I did want to talk about did want to update you all a little bit on uh, another thing that was going on, which was with the with the dreaded basement. So hopefully I'll make this a bit quick, but David and I talked about this a lot in the last episode, so I want to condense that down a bit. But in short, David was a big champ, and he helped me out. Uh, l was it really last month? Wow, yeah, that was last month. It was last month in September where right at the beginning, it was on Labor Day, uh, I went downstairs and into my basement and I found out that one of my pipes had burst. It was the ice maker valve had burst and water was just going all over the place. And in short, we had to kind of turn the place upside down, rip up all the carpet. We replaced it with uh, vinyl plaques, I want to say. And uh, so all was good. And I didn't mention these other things. I, I even said this in that episode. I was about to mention it. I said, no, I'm not going to mention this. But that was not the only flood I had had or basement leak. I've had three others, uh, one of them before and two of them after. And I want to get into that. So in short, I do have this window that is in the finished part of my basement. And going to it, there's a French drain that's going to that, and the French drain goes to the sump pump I have, which is supposed to clear water away from the foundation and such, and pretty much there's a window there. It's the most useless window, because this window is underneath a deck, so even if there was an emergency and you bust out this window, there is not enough space for a human to get out, so it is a completely useless window, is what I'm saying. So what ended up happening was this was earlier in the year, I want to say it was in May or June, uh, when my girlfriend's family was visiting, they were all champs and helped out with this, but at one point there was a really, really bad storm that ended up hitting, and uh, we came back home, there was no power, I'm trying to remember this, there was no power, and then we finally got into the house because I didn't have a key at first, but I was downstairs, and when I went downstairs, I heard water. 
and I saw there was just a ton of water that was coming down and uh, coming down from the window leaking in. And essentially the way we figured it out now is that at the time I had my sump pump and the sump pump was not working because there was no power going. So the window had ended up, the window is connected to a window well. And that well had ended up filling up like an aquarium and all the water had leaked and we were trying to, you know, clean it up and get as much as we could and all that. And it was just, it was a real big endeavor and, you know, we recovered from it, thankfully. Um, but that was just really, really annoying. So the point is, in short, uh, what ended up happening was, you know, at the beginning of September, David and I, we do all this work. Like um, back then, I guess with the window, we had sealed it with like some flex seal and caulking and did the best we could. Uh, with the sump pump, I had actually uh, kind of got preemptive on this. I had gotten a uh, backup system installed and even got a new sump pump just because I was like, hey, I want to back up just in case. And uh, that's kind of why I mentioned as well, too, when I talked about the previous issues with... Um, with the basement leaking out and such that I said, Hey, I looked at the sump pump and there was nothing there. It was all dry. Cause that, that's always my first thought now. So I'd had the window before I felt like I resolved that we sealed it from the inside. I didn't have to worry about the sump pump not working again. Uh, then the next issue that we ran into, uh, what was going on? That was, that was the big flood of course, or not flood, I guess the big leak. Uh, cause when I think of a flood, I think of a ton of standing water and such, but, uh, that was the big leak that ended up happening. Um, and we replaced the, we replaced the, the floor and all that stuff. And then that was fine. And then the next thing that happened was a few weeks later, it was a Sunday morning and I had woken up and my girlfriend had gone down into the basement and she started yelling wet and I just immediately red flags fire off and such. And I went downstairs and it looked like the window had leaked again because the previous night there was another bad storm. Now, thankfully, there wasn't that much water. And thankfully, with the way the foundation was designed and such, it was designed properly so that it slopes and it goes to a drain. So I have to be like one of the luckiest, unluckiest people out here because it was really unlucky this happened again a few weeks after but the lucky parts were that i didn't have to worry about carpet because we had gotten tile so carpet completely out the window did not have to worry about all that uh, so it was as easy as moving furniture around using towels to dry up whatever it was and all that good stuff so i had dried up uh, like my girlfriend and i we dried things up we also uh, another lucky thing as well uh, it was advised to not move furniture like all over the tile or I guess the vinyl planks because you can scrape them up and such. And a few weeks before, David and I, he warned me of this and I end up buying some uh, like some felt ends and we put them at the ends of all my furniture. So we were able to slide that around easily and uh, get everything drained and it took like an hour to clean up then my own fault here but I had like a ton of games and stuff that were on the floor that I was just arranging and everything and there were a few CDs a few DVDs I lost but it was so weird how it went so it's like a copy of like this might be like I don't know the worst thing let's say and thankfully it's cheap enough to pick up again but like my DVD copy of Pink Floyd's The Wall completely soaked right next to it a super car like a super limited edition cardboard special edition of some kind of game completely dry completely bypassed so from then on i was like okay you know what even the games that i have to that i have to categorize i'm not going to just put them on the floor now 
I'm going to put them at least in a tub and they will sit there until I categorize them and put them up on shelves. So it was just kind of another step forward on that. And then about a week later, there was another bad storm that was coming. And by the way, for anybody who might be saying the sump pump's not working, the sump pump actually does work. It does because it was working after this. It's just I don't know the threshold it has to get to in order to work. Because what happened again was about a week later, there was a really bad storm. I ended up buying some moisture detectors and I put two of them up on the windowsill because I figured this would happen. And within 30 seconds, we had a window leak that night and we got two within 30 seconds, like once it filled up. And it was the exact same thing. Uh, there was so much water that it ended up filling up in this well, kind of became a bit of an aquarium. It started leaking through. So what happened was we were drying up as much as we can, trying to stop it. And then I just was sealing it up with flex seal and that was able to stop it in the meantime. So it was something I knew that I had to fix at this point. And I say, you know what? Now I have to move this up quite a bit. So the fix for this was I end up having to hire someone to do this, uh, but the fix was essentially uh, they had to take part part of the deck. They had to remove the old window valve, like not window valve, uh, window well, and it was completely rusted and all that stuff, of course. And then what they did was they end up building. It's not a is it a dry well? I think that's what the term of it is. They built a dry well there. And then they end up using plastic as opposed to metal, so it wouldn't rust out. But they took two plastic pieces, they end up, you know, caulking them, sealing them together, and then they mounted that to the side of the house and caulked it up and everything. And uh, then at that point, the last thing was with the window cover, because I guess like the, the cover for the well itself, it had holes where, you know, water could drip into and such, and they end up kind of covering that just to avoid water getting in. But also they redirected some water and they said, hey, you know, we could do this. This might be recommended. And I said, you know what, while this is open, let's just do it now. So they end up redirecting one of my like water downsprouts. Uh, I whatever the hell they're called, one of my drains that comes down, they end up redirecting it uh, further outside the deck. So essentially now at this point, it's there is a dry well, there's a whole new plastic window well there, but at the same time, there are a few measures in place to prevent water from even getting there in the first place, uh, which should hopefully help out quite a bit. So, uh, so far it's been good. There's been a few other storms it's been completely dry. I'm really not seeing much water to get in there anymore. So I think we are, I think we're finally good at this point. But I'll tell you, basements can be awesome, but they can also be a pain at the same time. But I think this is it. I think this is it. We're done. We're good. I'm really hoping so because I don't want to deal with any of the, uh, any of the basement leaks again. <laughs> but yeah, that's been, that's been four in not even one, because uh, technically would, September be summer I'll say you know one year or at least within a three-month time span I've had four of them and I'm I'm tired of it admittedly <laughs> so hopefully that's the last of basement talk on here or basement window leaking talk but yeah it's not been fun not at all let's see another thing I wanted to talk about here with you all was uh if you've been on the channel for enough and you've had enough of an eye or enough of an ear to, you know, hear or see these things, some of you all might know uh, that Nothing Nowhere, I'd say undoubtedly he is my favorite solo musician. Uh, I discovered his music several years ago and it's just, 
it, it, it was unlike anything I had heard. It was a blend of, I guess the easiest way you could put it, like his older stuff is like a blend of emo trap music. And it doesn't sound like that should work, but he does make it work. And it sounds great in my opinion. And he, there's other artists who do the same thing, but in my opinion, he really perfected the sound, especially with some of his records like Let Down, I've Been Doing Well, a Deadbeat Valentine. Those are just like the perfect, just the perfect genesis of what it is. So uh, I discovered his music about three years ago at this point. Uh, very much enjoyed it, and I have now seen him perform live four times. Uh, I end up meeting him for his first show that I saw. And it's funny because he's the first artist I've seen where I've, I've actually done this three of the four shows I've been to. Um, I have seen him as a opener as opposed to going to see him as a headliner. Uh, the first one, it was actually before he even, uh, before he really even put that much out about himself. So I'll kind of rewind it back a little bit because I know the funny thing is, uh, I've used some of his music that isn't in the content ID system. I've used some of his music on the channel here. Uh, I have one of his posters in the background. So if you've seen videos where I'm recording in my office, you've probably seen my letdown poster. Uh, I also try and wear his shirts in my videos where I can. And it's cool because it's very much been a thing of uh, I guess seeing the evolution of him and on top of seeing him grow as an artist and uh, then, you know, seeing his fan base grow, uh, it's very much been I've turned several viewers into fans of Nothing Nowhere, but over the past few years, I've seen more people come to my channel and be like, holy shit, you listen to Nothing Nowhere as well, that's awesome, or wow, I didn't know you listened to Nothing Nowhere, or hey, have you heard this from Nothing Nowhere? That's really cool, I didn't know you were a fan. So now it's completely flipped, where as opposed to myself hopefully turning others into fans, which I hope still happens, because I really do want to support him, it's now the exact opposite, where he has fans who are finding my videos. They're not finding my videos because of him. It's just like, it's just someone who really likes his music and then they might look up something in regards to consoles and find out that I'm a big Nothing Nowhere fan. It's just really cool seeing that. But point is, let me rewind it back a little bit here. So this was like late 2016 is when I discovered him. Then I found out he was going on tour uh, with a, I, I think it was Real Friends was the opener. And it was like Real Friends, Tiny Moving Parts, another band, just all, all the three other bands, I'll be honest, I really didn't care for, uh, especially because the other two openers sounded the same to me. And then Real Friends, it just, they had like one song that I liked and eh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty open with music, I'd say, but I don't like everything. Um, I'll be fully honest with that. I will try and listen to everything. I'll try and approach everything with an open mind, but there's just stuff I do and stuff I don't like, and it is what it is. But what happened was I found out that he was going to be performing there and I ended up getting tickets. It was myself and one of my friends who ended up going because I don't like to go to concerts by myself. Still have not done it, but I just, I don't like to go. So I'll even, if I don't have a plus one, I'll always buy two tickets. And then, you know, as the show gets closer, I'll try and find a friend and be like, Hey, do you want to go free ticket, free ticket? Come on, let's go. So that's, that's normally how it is. But what happened was I ended up seeing him there. He performed his performance was excellent, like just unlike anything else. I thought he was amazing. And then um, he said he was going to be hanging out at the merch booth, I want to say. So his merch booth, it was run by one of his friends. Um, it was funny because I had talked with uh, his friend there 
and he had told me some stuff about you know the the album that was coming out i guess at that point uh there was so much the thing is with nothing nowhere there was so much about him that was unknown so getting any little piece of information was big but for example uh his friend had told me because i asked about something and he assumed I was talking about the album. He's like, yep, nope, his album is done. It is ready. It's going to be in stores, all good to go. It's coming out this summer. Turns out it didn't come out that summer. It ended up coming out in October. Uh, but mind you, know, these things change. So I'm not even saying it as, a, oh, he lied to me. It's like, no, it's just the timetable ended up changing. So what happened was uh, I think I was told that he was going to be hanging out at the merch table. I was still, you know, looking at I, I was looking at the new sets that were going up. And then my friend was kind of on the lookout for him. And when she saw him, she ended up kind of like motioning me over and I got to meet him. And it was funny because it's like I've talked with a few others about this. And some people said like, wow, you know, his you know, he's really honest about his stuff and his music is pretty depressing as well, too. He talks about some heavy topics. So how was he? And like as a person because I guess a lot of my friends I've talked to they would expect him to be like really depressed or you know kind of downtrodden and such uh no he was actually like he's not like happy-go-lucky by any means uh but you know he was really happy to see us it was myself and a few other people and uh other people had traveled hours and hours like five six hours to see him and it was funny because it's like we all said hey we're, we're actually here to see you like we don't care about the other artists respectively though <laughs> but like we we didn't we didn't care for their music. We're just coming to see you. And he was just, you know, beaming, just grinning ear to ear. He was really happy to hear about that. Uh, so I talked with him a bit, got a picture with him, gave him a hug and all that as well. Uh, asked him a few questions. And then at the end, I remember, you know, he had asked me for my name and I said, Hey, my name's Danny. What's your name? He said, Joe. And that was, I'll put it like this. He was just, he was so mysterious for a while that that was a huge deal because when he ended up releasing his first, like, full album, Reaper, like, just all across the place, uh, that's when, you know, he started putting out his full name. He started opening up more about himself. But prior to that, uh, he really didn't put out his name. He was, you know, always deleting. He would put up stuff. He would always delete it. Uh, he never really kept things super consistent. And even for a while, uh, he would always, you know, cover up his face or obscure it somehow. So even if you look at like old photos, old videos, he doesn't show his face or he's covering his face or he has it like obscured with a bunch of filters and such. And it really wasn't until his Reaper release that he truly opened up and was just like, hey, this is it. I guess you could kind of cheat a little bit and say like one of his videos um, for Deadbeat Valentine, he was in there. But again, that's kind of... He was like his face was in front of the camera and you could tell who he is, but he had, you know, a ton of like VHS effects on there. So it wasn't, you know, a clear photo or a clear image. Uh, but even then, he kind of conveyed that at his shows as well, too, where it's not like he was like MF Doom and wearing a mask, but he did a. Uh, when he was like around the venue and such, when he was entering, uh, he had a hoodie on, he kept his hood up. When he was performing, he kept his hood up. When he was meeting all the fans, he kept his hood up. So he was very much one to kind of like stay in the shadows and such from, from what I had seen, uh, which, you know, I can understand. But what happened was I've seen him two other times. I saw him once opening. I saw him another time uh, actually perform a headlining show. And we had the ch the chance to meet him there, but I was just so tired at that point. I'm like, you know what? No, we, we just need to go. Uh, it was myself, my girlfriend, and my friend Devin. But what happened was uh, I ended up getting to meet him a second time here. Uh, he came through again. He was opening up for another set. And I said, hey, uh, let's go to this. So 
it was myself and my girlfriend and then one of my best friends, Sean, uh, he had said, you know what, I, I don't really know the opening act. I know this Nothing Nowhere guy. I've liked his music when I heard it in your car. So uh, sure, we'll go. And I've kind of introduced Sean to some of those, I, I guess, to live performances. It's funny because like I've got him into music like this is back in high school where he didn't listen to anything. And then I put him onto a bunch of music I listened to. And then I actually took him to his first concert, which was a perfect circle, which is a that was a phenomenal first concert. Like, goddamn, I'm kind of jealous of him. <laughs> but uh, uh, I took him to his first concert. And then I think the second concert I took him to, it wasn't his second, but it was the second one I took him to was Gorillaz. And then uh, this was the third one I took him to, which was Nothing Nowhere. And uh, when we went there, we ended up uh, seeing his set. Uh, he performed excellent. It was a little, it was a little longer than I expected for an opener, which I'm not complaining by any means, but absolutely excellent. And then I had waited around, you know, kind of by the merch area, and then we found out he was actually going outside to the smokers area. So we went over there and waited in line, and there were a few people who caught us, but it was all good. You know, he was patient, all that stuff. Um, but, but the real cool thing is here. So when it was our turn, he saw me, and he just had this big smile on his face. And he opened up his arms for a hug. I ended up hugging him, and then, you know, he hugged my girlfriend. He hugged Sean. Uh, we all did introductions and everything, so he thought it was really awesome that I had brought my girlfriend along. He thought it was really great, you know, I brought my BFF, that's what he had said. And um, the, the coolest thing, though, with all of it was that not only he remembered me, but he recognized me. Because I straight up asked him, I said, hey, do you remember meeting me before? And he said, yeah, no, I do, yeah, you're Mr. Mario. And just hearing that out loud, I, I can never get over that because, like, rewind a little bit. Uh, this was back, you know, in 2017 when I first met him. We were corresponding, you know, a decent amount on Twitter, I would say. And he had, like, I asked at that time when I, when I had met him in 2017, I asked, hey, do you recognize me? And he said, yeah, no, I, I do. I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm Mr. Mario on Twitter. And granted, you know, like, I, I feel like my presence has grown quite a bit, you know, the channel's grown as well, and then even one of the people we mutually know, um, I'm friends with a person who produces for him called JV, and JV, uh, I'm sure, and I'm not trying to say this, like, in, in, in a, um, in a conceited way, like, oh, yeah, it's brought me up, it's like, no, 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 the reason why I say that is because for him to know this next thing, which I'll mention, there had to be some kind of conversation there, and there's just been some other things. So JV and I, we've talked quite a bit. He's aware of, you know, what I do on YouTube and all that. He thinks that's really cool, and he's told other artists about it, because there was, um, at the last show I went to where JV was, um, there was another artist there named Gucci Highwaters. I had never talked with this guy ever, and we talked for a few minutes, and he knew about my YouTube stuff. He was like, oh, yeah, no, like, JV was telling me, like, you do some, some YouTube thing? Like, that's really cool. He told me about your subscribers and all that. So there, there's some kind of communication there, which I'll never get over that as well. Um, so that's why when I say it's like, oh, yeah, there had to be something talked about there. I'm not just assuming. It's like, no, 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 no. It just, it, it seems this is either a crazy coincidence or it had to happen. But mind you on this, uh, 
So he had recognized me from, you know, meeting me a a couple years ago, which surprised me. But then what was even more surprising is that he had known of, you know, my YouTube stuff, what I do online. And, you know, he called me Mr. Mario. He told me, he, he gave me congratulations. He congratulated me, you know, on reaching, you know, the subscriber milestones I have and such. And just even for him, you know, as, as, you know, a, a big, a big artist to me at least. Like, mind you, he's not selling, like, platinum records or anything, but I would say, you know, arguably he is bigger than me in whatever space this is. I was like, hearing this from you, that's absolutely shocking, but thank you. So, it's just, I'll never get over that. Just one of my favorite artists, not even, like, not only knowing who I am, but then knowing really, you know, what I do and congratulating me on that. And he had said, like, hey, you know, yeah, I remember... Uh, yeah, we've talked about this on Twitter, and we talked about this, and I remember you were doing this, and uh, he remembers Lily as well, too. I had sent out tweets to him and such and shown him Lily, so he he knows my damn dog. He knows my dog, and, and all of this just reminded me, and I guess I can convey this to others. If you're going to be meeting, like, if you're going to be a fan of someone, and you're going to meet them offline and do, like, a meet and greet... I would recommend making sure you're not a shithead online because I will say this, like you can look at my history and such, and I, I would say I'm a nothing nowhere Stan, but I've also been, you know, honest about things well too, where I said, you know, Hey, maybe, uh, this record, it wasn't really, you know, my taste completely, but I understand what they were doing. Uh, but I was never like bashing anything. I've never, you know, said anything horribly negative about him or his production or what have you, just because that's not how I feel. But at that moment, I was just thinking, I'm like, oh my goodness, Th- thank the powers that be that I am not one of those people who's just a complete asshole online, and he saw it, and then I end up meeting him. <laughs> because y- you have to give some of these people credit as well, too. And I have to say, like, I was shocked that not only he's seen a lot of this stuff, but he was aware of me, he remembered this out of all the other people he met, all the other experiences. Uh, so... Don't take that for granted. Sometimes people are going to remember and be cognizant of a lot more than you would credit them for. But point is on there, I guess. We we had talked a little bit, exchanged a few more words, talked about a few other things. And then I had brought a cassette with me. And his very first release, it was uh, his two EPs, Bummer and Who Are You, his first physical release. He put on a cassette tape. And I brought that with me, and I was like, hey, uh, do you have anything to say? Like, d- would you be able to sign something? I asked him, and he said, sure. So he busted out a Sharpie, and I gave him this tape, and he was a little surprised to see it, because he was saying, like, oh, you know, this is rare, and haven't seen one of these in a bit. But he ended up, you know, taking the cassette out, and he was going to sign the J card on there, which I just learned of that term, and it totally makes sense. But it was funny, because when he took the tape out, he dropped it and it fell on the cement and I could tell he kind of like cringed a little bit and just kind of froze. I didn't do anything. I was just like, dude, it's fine. It still works. It's a cassette. And then he picked it back up, put it in and then signed the card and such. But I thought that was really funny because he, uh, just because I have, I have this cassette that's signed from him. One of my favorite artists that he ended up dropping. So there's a nice little story that goes behind that as well, too. Uh, in the end, I think we talked a little bit more, then we all hugged again, and then we got out of there. Uh, but the big thing was, as well, too, is I was thinking of this, and I didn't even say it out loud. But it was my friend Sean who, when we were talking about this afterwards, he was the one who said this out loud before me. He said, dude, 
I noticed, you know, all the other people he was meeting, he was real patient, he was nice, he was being really humble, but when he saw you, like, he lit up, and I, I think even the way that prompted was I said in the car, I was like, I can't believe he remembered me, and then that's what he said, uh, he is in Sean, but I'll never get over that either, is that, you know, compared to, uh, you know, several other people we saw that were meeting up with him, like, he had just lit up seeing me, and I, I can't even put that into words. It's just, again, like, even if some people are saying, oh, it's just a random person. It's like, imagine this with, like, your favorite music artist or your favorite developer or what have you on there, uh, that you meet them and they know who you are and they've seen your online interactions and they're really happy to meet you. I'm sure you would, I, I'm sure you'd be fangasming a little bit. <laughs> Either way, though, uh, that's definitely, I, I was telling people, I said, you know, I feel like that's made my year. Just on top of everything, like, some of the highlights of this year, I could say just media-wise, are Kingdom Hearts 3 finally dropping, Tools, Fear, Inoculum finally dropping, and uh, then meeting Nothing Nowhere, but not only meeting him, but having, you know, that whole interaction was just absolutely awesome. So, real cool, real cool. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the last things I wanted to talk about here was I wanted to talk about my thoughts on uh, Switcher 3, otherwise known as The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt on the Switch. Uh, so I like that that na nickname, first of all, Switcher 3. Uh, but I wanted to talk about this because normally I'll talk on these episodes about what games I'm playing and, you know, what my thoughts are on them and such. And Witcher 3 is no doubt one of these games that I'm playing right now. But I want to talk about my thoughts on the Switch port. So for anyone that does not know, The Witcher 3, it's a fantastic RPG that's been developed and released by CD Projekt Red. It initially came out in 2015. It was like summer 2015, I want to say. And it came out to universal high praise. Uh, critics loved it. Gamers loved it. Every single person loved it. And it was, it, it was really a big testament of love behind the development of it as well, too. Because I know CD Projekt Red, for example, they had said, hey, uh, they, they were just doing things to shake up like things that had not been done before like you know at the time it was known that you know there were like there were online passes and dlc was getting really egregious and such and seed project red they'd come out and they said hey look we are gamers we've been burned on 60 dollar titles okay so we don't want to do that to you all so if we sell you a game for 60 bucks we want to give you more than 60 dollars worth of value out of it uh, so for example they shipped out the base game and I don't know about the PC version, but the Xbox One and PS4 versions, it was a full thing. Like, it had a really nice slip cover, and then you take it out, and it had, you know, the disc itself. The whole game was on there. I'll get to that in a bit, but the whole game was on there. Uh, there was a manual. There was a map. It, it was a completely loaded it collection for $60, just the standard base version. So even the packaging, they really cared about on there uh, for the PS4 and Xbox One versions. There was also a bunch of pieces of DLC that were coming out. I believe there was 23 pieces of DLC, and they said uh, there's going to be no season pass for any of this. There's no, going to be no timed exclusives. There's no not going to be any pre-order incentives here. Uh, whether you get the game on day one or day 300, you're going to have access to every single piece of this DLC for free. Uh, now, granted, there were two other expansions. I believe there was Blood and Wine, and there was another one. I haven't played them, but there were two expansions, and they did charge extra for them, but they said, hey, 
once you're done with the game, if you want more, we're going to be putting out these two expansions. They are going to be paid, but we will tell you that they are absolutely worth it. So we're going to make sure that you are getting your money's worth for what you're spending on these two expansions. So fast forward a little bit here a few years later, uh, they end up releasing the Complete Edition, which I believe is $50 on Switch and then $40 on PS4 and Xbox One. And it's everything all in one. It's the base game, it's all the free DLC they gave out, and it's the two expansion packs, just all in one nice package. So this was really big, just because, not because it was a Complete Edition, but just because it was coming out on Switch. Uh, I mean, this was a game that was bringing people's PCs several years ago to their knees. It was really going all out in terms of all the effects, all the graphics, tessellation, everything that was going on. Like, the, the hair, I remember, was a big thing. If you turn, like, you know, the, the hair particle effects on and turn them to the max, it would really drop your frame rate. So a lot of people actually just turned that off because they said, I'm not really noticing that much of a difference with the effect on or off, except for the frame rate here. So... This was just a big, beautiful-looking game that's being compressed down to the Switch itself. Now, I have two copies of this game. Uh, I first got it on PC years ago, and I only played it for like an hour or two, honestly. And it's not that I didn't like it, I thought it was great. Uh, but I just I just played, I, I moved on to different games. Like, I tried it out, I thought it was cool, and then I moved on to something else for whatever reason. I know that might be sacrilegious with people, but mind you, that's what happened. Uh, so technically, I have the best version. I have the PC version. And I got that because I'd seen the PS4 and Xbox One versions were having some issues with different patches and such based on what Digital Foundry was doing. I would feel like a lot of those issues are ironed out now if you play on the PS4 Pro or the Xbox One X. But mind you, I just decided to pick it up on PC. So then I would say I also then picked up the worst version, the Switch version here, which I'm, I'm honestly going to call it that because, you know, graphically it's going to be inferior. Uh, you're not going to have keyboard and mouse option on there, so you're not going to be able to play with that. Uh, but on top of that as well, you know, music is compressed. Everything is compressed down. But that's the impressive thing. They're able to compress this game down onto one single cartridge. So literally everything, every single thing, uh, the 3.2 build of the game, like the patch itself, I guess, uh, the game itself, all the expansions, all the DLC, it's all on one 32 gigabyte cartridge. Now, granted, there is a patch that dropped like the first day the game came out. It's the 3.4 patch. And I want to say it's like three gigabytes, which I would definitely recommend getting because apparently that does seem to help with performance and it seems to help make the game look nicer as well, too. And it's not, it's not the prettiest looking game. But based on the other Switch ports I've seen, it's definitely one of the most impressive. I know a lot of people point towards Doom, saying Doom shouldn't work on Switch, but it does. And that's cool, that's admirable. I didn't play too much of Doom on Switch, I've more played Wolfenstein 2, and I felt pretty strongly against that. Uh, I think it was... Was it All Source Gaming? I think I had done a, kind of a podcast roundtable type video with them, uh, but I was talking about it there, and I know one of the guys had mentioned, like, yeah, you know, some of the graphics is just like a blocky mess on Wolfenstein or Doom, and I said, on Wolfenstein 2, it's really bad. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, Wolfenstein 2 is just as good because I could play it on the go. It's like, no, even if you've never, even if you're like me, you've never played like the the new Wolfenstein 2, not the original, but I'm saying if you've never played the new Wolfenstein 2, the one from Bethesda, 
and you pick this up, you can tell it's downgraded, you can tell it's lower quality, and it does impede the enjoyment of it. The lower frame rate, how there's things that just look completely blocky and pixelated, the weird field of view, um, it's not a better experience. You are opting for a worse experience, and anybody who's saying, oh, it's a better experience because I can play on the go, no, you're kind of cheating yourself right there. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say that. Uh, and for a first-person shooter, it's much bigger there. But then you have The Witcher 3, which is this big open-world game, and a lot of people were worrying, how, how is it going to play, how is it going to run, how is it going to look, especially. And I'll say this, if you, if you look at screenshots, you look at videos, it's rough. I'm not gonna lie, it's rough. Uh, if you have a modded Switch, which I'm actually not playing on my modded Switch, I'm playing on my stock one, uh, just because I like having the, the cloud save functionality and such and having that all backed up, but especially with especially with my history of the RMAs and such on the Switch, uh, I, I really don't want my saves to go bye-bye. <laughs> but, but mind you, on there, what was going on was I've been playing the, well, I was going to say if you have a, a modded Switch, you can overclock the game. Uh, you can actually restore the original quality audio to it. Uh, you can also bring in some extra settings, like bring in pretty much port over the PC settings over to the Switch, like the PC settings menu. So you could turn on and off anti-aliasing, you can increase a few other things, you can change the resolution. And Modern Vintage Gamer did a fantastic video on that, and that is fantastic. Like, it, it's really impressive how he was able to make the game look and play so much better. Uh, but I also wanted to get a objective look at the stock version of it as well. And I'll say, you know, again, going from the 3.2 to the 3.4 update, that does help. I will say, first of all, if you are a person who you are primarily playing on a TV, do not get this on Switch. I am I'm bluntly saying that. If you're going to occasionally play it on the TV or you're going to never play it on TV and you're always going to play in portable mode, uh, the Switch version, in my opinion, would be worth picking up. Uh, simply because when you compress everything down to a 6.2-inch screen, or even a smaller screen if you're on the Switch Lite, you can tell that, oh yeah, I'm playing, you know, uh, an inferior version of Witcher 3, but it's really not that bad. I know some people are going to say, oh, well, if you say that it's not that bad, that means that it is that bad. No, honestly, it's really not. Uh, it does get that bad, though, when you blow it up onto a 55-inch screen, for example, uh, which I was doing the night before, and I tried out the the M Classic. So this is, I don't want to go on to a big tangent with this, but the M Classic, I have a couple of them. I decided to just buy them myself. And in case you don't know, this is a HDMI solution where it's essentially a processor. And it comes from Marseille or Marsala, I want to say is the name of the company. Uh, but pretty much they made these HDMI cables that you power and they have processors in them. And these processors are supposed to clean up anti-aliasing, clean up, well, add anti-aliasing, clean up some jaggies, uh, improve color, a few other things. And the M Classic is just like a dongle version of that. So I've been experimenting with them. Um, I got a couple because I got them through Kickstarter for a deal, and I have one in my office here, and then I have one in my basement. And I tried it out on, uh, on Witcher 3 on Switch, and I will say... Uh, for more modern games, it doesn't make a huge, huge difference, but if it's a game like Witcher where it doesn't look the best, uh, it made a big difference, I noticed, uh, in good and bad ways. The good ways is that I did notice, I felt like Jaggies seemed to be a lot more cleaned up, so alias, like anti-aliasing seemed to really help out on The Witcher 3. The colors looked so much nicer as well, too. 
The downside is, though, when it came to dark areas, and this is just one thing I noticed on The Witcher 3, because, like, I was playing in a dungeon, even portably, so without the M Classic. When I was playing in the dungeon, it was just really dark, and it was a little bit difficult to see some things. But when playing with the M Classic and having that processing, stuff looks even darker. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is now... I, I had to turn the processing off, because I'm like, at this point, this is nearly impossible to play. Because I'm just walking through a super dimly lit dungeon trying to do things, and it's near impossible to. So it, it has its positives and its negatives. But if you're out in the countryside, it's during the day, there's, you know, tons of, you know, sun available and tons of light to you. I did notice that using the M Classic on my TV with Witcher 3 did seem to clean up quite a bit, and I was impressed with that. It's like one of the it, it actually is the first game I saw. Where I was like, wow, this is this is impressive. It's not getting a new graphics card impressive, mind you. That's just all you know. I hate that. I I really hate that. That's just all marketing speak. Um, but it was impressive nonetheless to see what all it cleaned up. Point is on it when I was going back to this here. I've been able to play Witcher 3 on the go, I've been able to play it portably, and it's been great. And I'm one of those people, I talk about this a bit on Twitter, I always prefer a native solution as opposed to a remote solution. So some people might say, oh, I can play this over, I, I want to say it's GeForce Now, or I can play this streamed from my Xbox One X, or I can stream it from my PS4, and yeah, you can, you can absolutely do that. The thing is, you will more likely than not run into either little or big issues. First of all, if you don't have an internet connection, you're not going to be doing any streaming, point blank. If you have a spotty internet connection, you're going to have issues. Uh, sometimes if there's going to if there's an issue with the service itself, you're going to run into issues, whether it be uh, you're going to have more lag introduced or you're going to have a lower quality visual experience, mind you, or you can't run it at the highest resolution that you can. You might run into things like that, unfortunately. Um, so that's why I always prefer a native solution. Uh, because I've I've done that. I've done game streaming, you know, like through Steam. I've done it through the PS4. I haven't tried GeForce's uh, service yet. I will have to at one point, as well as Stadia. I'll try them. Uh, but mind you, more often than not, I do prefer to do a native solution. Because uh, on top of this as well, uh, you know, if I'm outside or even if I'm at my own house, a lot of people still have uh, bandwidth caps. So thankfully, I'm in a situation where I don't have a bandwidth cap. Even on mobile, technically, my phone has unlimited, uh, although I still keep myself limited to like two gigs a month or so. Uh, but even then, not many people have unlimited data on their phones. And there's many, 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 many people who do not have unlimited data at their own house. So that's another issue you'll kind of run into as well, too, because streaming is going to take up a lot of bandwidth on that. Or I guess a lot of data usage would be more accurate on there. Uh, but that's why I always prefer the native solution. And with this, it's like, even so, again, shrinking this down to a 6.2-inch screen, it looks fine for the most part to me. Especially, you know, that update, the 3.4 update, has really helped out on several things. But then even so, when playing The Witcher... It's really nice how I can just go, I grab my Switch, if it's in sleep mode, mind you, assuming it's in sleep mode and I've had the game running and suspended, uh, I can get back within game within three seconds. And I can't do that on any of these services easily, uh, especially if I'm worrying about internet. So a perfect use case for me was the other day, uh, because I'm a little bit sick here, I end up going to the doctor and I brought my Switch with me. and. It, okay, if if you have been to a doctor 
and you cannot relate with waiting hours at the doctor, you have not been to a doctor, okay? You're a liar. <laughs> but I ended up going, and I spent the whole time I was there, I probably spent about two hours doing nothing. Two hours just waiting, just waiting uh, between filling out my paperwork, uh, being seen, actually getting diagnosed, discharged, all that fun stuff. Two hours of just nothing while I was at the doctor. And I used most of that time to play The Witcher 3. And it was really nice how it was like I was able to just, again, grab my Switch, take it out of sleep mode, within three seconds be in game. If I had my name called, I just pressed the power button so it suspended, and then I went wherever I had to. When I was waiting, within two or three seconds, I was back in game. And I didn't have to worry about not having internet. So, because even though I had my internet, like on my phone, and I could have tethered, a lot of people don't have the tether ability. If I was at the doctor, I'd... I didn't check this, but I'm pretty sure the doctor's office would not have Wi-Fi available just due to, you know, issues with possible hacking, tampering, HIPAA violations, just stuff they're not really wanting to get into. I'd be shocked if they offered Wi-Fi there. So that's assuming I couldn't do any of that. On top of that, there's actually, I kind of realize this too, a lot of times I play my Switch without internet available. Like, I might play it if I'm at the gym, or if I'm out somewhere, or even if I'm at work having a break or something, I'm not connected to the Wi-Fi. So having that all accessible is really great, and having that portable Witcher on the go is awesome. I think one of the best things I had seen when people were commenting about this was people saying, hey, yeah, this is not, not a rough port, I'll say, but this certainly does not look pretty. But it's really fun, and it's still playable. And I guess that's one of the best ways that you can describe that as well, too. It's still fun, it's still playable, it's still the same game, it's just compressed and downgraded. And I think the last thing I want to say on this, too, is I don't think they're doing any type of overclocks on there. Because the whole time I've been playing this game, and most of the time I've been playing it has been portably, my Switch does not get hot. It gets warm, I'll say, but it's not like the fan is just, you know, screaming for air, mind you. There's nothing crazy that's going on. The Switch is not getting super hot. It's just staying warm. And I feel like the developers ended up holding back this port on purpose, like through the, you know, through the process of, you know, taking away a lot of those, you know, extra features that you could toggle in the menus, like the enhanced settings and such. I feel like they did downgrade that on purpose just for safety. So the Switch really wouldn't, you know, overheat itself or get super hot, mind you. Uh, which I can totally understand that. So yeah, th th that's been my thoughts on Witcher Three so far. Overall, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic port on Switch. Uh, again, you know, you do have to go in, you have to level set and say, hey, this is not going to sound as good as other versions. This is not going to look as good as other versions. This is not going to perform as well as other versions. But still, an extremely impressive port, and. It's not the big, massive mess of sludge that I've seen from Wolfenstein 2, for example, which is, that's like, that's my baseline, I guess I can say. Yes, I know there's worse ports out there, but I say that's my baseline because Wolfenstein 2, I know I'm getting a little bit annoyed here, but Wolfenstein 2 is one of those ports that was really applauded, and then I played it and I'm like, no, no, this is, this is bad you guys. Again, there's worse, but I'm like, this This should be looked at honestly, not like, oh, hey, we were able to get this over here. It's like, no, 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 we should honestly look at this here. 
But yeah, and again, shout out to, and, and one more slide on it too, shout out to CD Projekt Red who compressed the whole game onto the cartridge, while as with Wolfenstein 2, you have to download like an 8GB update to get the rest of the game, just to have it playable. That that wasn't cool, to me at least. <laughs> so, uh, let's see, this has gone all over for, a, well, this has gone for a little bit over an hour, and uh, I did want to talk about one other thing here, which was, um... You know the games that are being played so this is something i like to talk about at the end of every episode uh, whether i have a guest or not i just like to talk about you know the games that i've been playing and first of all uh, of course you know i talk about the witcher i don't have to talk about any that really much further i guess the last thing i'll say on this which is for this segment here for anybody who might still be kind of on the fence about it i'll put it to you all like this and i feel like I'm sure people are going to disagree with me, but I'm just going to say what I feel on here. Uh, I really do like The Witcher 3. I think it's a great game. To me, I guess the most bastardized description I can give of it is, imagine taking Skyrim and fixing up, like, not fixing, imagine taking Skyrim, giving it a better story, and giving it a better battle system, and you have The Witcher 3. So if you're one of those people who you absolutely love Elder Scrolls V Skyrim and you're like, wow, you know, this this is a great game. I absolutely love this. But, you know, I really wish like the the combat was more intuitive or the, there was, you know, just something better with the combat. Or, you know, I wish that the story was just a bit better on there. Look at Witcher 3, because if you go into it with that, if you're just wanting like I feel like a more refined version of something like Skyrim, you're not going to be disappointed by it. But going in here, uh, the other games that I've played, so I ended up finishing Spyro the Dragon this month, and wow, this has been a long month if that was, that was that long ago, okay, I finished Spyro the Dragon uh, this month on the Reignited Trilogy, and that's another port actually I end up playing on the Switch, and that was another game I was playing it in mostly portable mode, because that one I'll say in portable mode, it is great, you blow it up on a TV, oh my god, bad bad <laughs> so i would not that's another game i would not recommend picking that up on switch if you're going to primarily play it on a tv or a monitor uh, pick it up on ps4 pick it up on xbox one pick it up on pc but if you're going to pick it up on switch you better mostly be playing in portable mode but that was fantastic i absolutely loved going through that i think i completed like 82 percent of the game when i end up finishing it and I can't recommend that game enough. That was so fun. It was so relaxing. Uh, the boss fights were a lot easier than I remembered, and they weren't even really boss fights for the most part. Um, and anybody who who hasn't played the game, I, I guess I I think the final boss, for example, you kind of just chase him through everything, and that's how you defeat him. You really don't fight him. You just chase him through the map. So that's why I said that the boss fights aren't really boss fights for the most part. But I started playing Spyro 2. And I feel like they really blew up the collectathon ability on here, because uh, it's not like it's hard, mind you, but it just got to the point, Spyro 2 for me was starting to get a little bit annoying. And when it started getting annoying, I pulled out, because I was like, you know what, no, 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 I really like Spyro overall as the franchise, I like the games, I remember liking Spyro 2, I think I've spent too much time on this game right now. So I'm just going to take a break here, and I'll revisit it. So Spyro 2, I had started that. Uh, another game that I had played was The Dark Side Detective. Started and finished it, and oh my goodness, I, I purchased this game from, uh, what was it? 
strictly limited game super rare games that was it there's so many something something games out there there's limited run games there's strictly limited games there's special reserve games there's um super rare games i got this from super rare games because I looked at it, I saw there was like 5,000 copies that were made on Switch, something like that, and it looked interesting, and then I checked out a review, and that seemed even more interesting, and interesting. And I have to say, this is one of the most charming games I've played this year. I cannot recommend this enough either. If you're looking for a point-and-click adventure-type game, I could definitely recommend it. It has just the right amount of humor. It's a pixel, like, pixel art-type game, I guess you can say. Uh, it's really funny, really charming. Every single case can take you anywhere from 30 to 30 minutes to an hour to solve. So you can, you know, get in and out of the game really quickly. Whether that's good or bad, that's completely up to you. And the main game has six cases that you have to solve. And then once you solve those, there's three more bonus ones that unlock. Uh, but mind you on there, I, I could not recommend this enough. Like, I was laughing. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was just... And it wasn't like overly ha-ha funny. It was just the right amount of funny on there uh, to figure out what was going on. And the puzzles weren't super, super intense either. So if you do have to work around some of them, like me... There are plenty of great guides out there. However, if you're also like me and you're bad at puzzle games, this one's really not that bad. This one's pretty easy, I would say. But still, I needed that extra push here and there at times. So Dark Side Detective, I can absolutely recommend. And the last game that I ended up finishing this month, uh, this was definitely, definitely out there, I'll say. Um, I guess I just have to say it's called One Night Stand. And I had seen this on the Switch eShop, and it looked interesting enough. And I was like, okay, maybe. Let's see. It's four bucks. Uh, but then I'd seen uh, another YouTuber, John Riggs, posting about it, and he was really getting into it. So I had kind of, you know, I, I saw he was really liking it. He really likes a bunch of these indie games or games that people really haven't heard of. And I said, you know what? I'm already thinking about this. It has a pretty good endorsement from him. So I'll just spend the four bucks and pick it up. And in short, in this game, you're a guy, you wake up next to a girl in, in some, assuming her bedroom, and uh, you have to figure out what happened. And then, you know, through a chain of events, you have to, like, th there's 12 different endings that you can get, but essentially through a chain of events, there's different types of outcomes that you can get. And it just depends on how you talk to her, what you say, all that stuff. Uh, so it's just kind of a choices-based game. And I think by myself, I was able to get like five or six of the endings and the other ones I did need help on. So I did end up looking up a guy to just get everything on there. Uh, but that was, again, that was, I guess charming isn't the word for that. That is a interesting game that I'd recommend, you know, if I'd say this, look it up. If it seems at all interesting to you, I'd recommend giving it a shot. Even when it's not on sale, it's five bucks on the eShop, and it's available on everything. It's on Xbox One, it's on PS4, it's on PC, of course. So it's on pretty much everything, but that was definitely an interesting game as well, too. I know I've been talking about Astral Chain the past few months. Unfortunately, I've kind of put that down. Uh, not because of anything bad, but just because... Astral Chain is one of those games I don't like playing it portably. It's it's probably the only Switch game I'll say I don't want to play it portably. I want to play it on a big screen. I want to play it like a actual proper console game. And recently it's more been 
Witcher has kind of taken that over. I have picked up a few other games I haven't played, but I'm really getting into Witcher right now. I'm really enjoying it, and while I'm enjoying it, I really feel like I should be delving into it because this is a game that, again, I, I picked up a few years ago, and then I put it down, and people are saying this is one of the best games, if not the best game of this generation, maybe of this decade. So I'm like, you know what? I don't want to deprive myself of that. So while while everything's hot about this, while... Uh, I'm trying to strike while the iron is hot is what I'm saying because you know I my my own self my own fault I put it down a few years ago right now I picked it back up it just came out people are talking about it I'm getting into it I'm really enjoying it I just want to see it through to the end so we'll see on that but yeah those have been the games that I've been playing so maybe you might find something in there that you enjoy I'm not sure but either way let's uh let's go ahead and wrap this thing up so again Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Mario's Minute. Really appreciate it here. It's uh, about 10.45 in the morning as I'm wrapping it up. So I've got some other stuff to do today either way. But let's go ahead and wrap this up as well too with a keyword of some kind. I think the keyword I'm going to use is spooky. What are you going to be doing for Halloween? Is it going to be anything spooky? Have you been playing any spooky games? What are some spooky traditions you have? Is there something in your life that might be spooky? I'm not sure. But if you use that word, spooky, in your YouTube comment on the upload of this podcast, I will know that you made it to the end. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for watching and listening, everyone. And until next month.